Well, I so enjoyed being with you this morning and uh, the opportunity to worship together and sing and pray and praise together, and now we close the day the same way. And I just uh, thank you all so much for your encouragement. Hope you had a good afternoon. I uh, <clears throat> was lying down on my bed studying, <clears throat> studying with my eyes closed and thinking through things. How many of you would say you got a nap today? Good. You can stay awake for a few minutes then tonight. <laughs> Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Exodus. Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Let's read together in Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Familiar section to us. Exodus 3, beginning in verse 1. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father." the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them. Skip down to verse 10. Therefore come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with you. Verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moses and the burning bush. Remember studying about that in Bible class when you were a kid? You know, one of the saddest things to me is that many of us are so easily bored. Bored. It's not that we don't have anything to do. We have plenty to do. But then again, boredom is not defined by a lack of busyness as much as boredom is defined by a lack of life purpose and life mission. You can have plenty to do and still be bored. I think that's why the video gaming industry is so big. And people get addicted to those things, 
And yet, from a positive side, those games do give people a goal. Those games do give a mission. It is a mini-mission, M-I-N-I, but it's a mission nonetheless. But it is a mission without any risk. And so I can play a video game and I can become a race car driver. I can become an assassin. I can become a fighter pilot. I can become an angry bird. I can become any of those. And I can play a game and there's no real threat to my well-being at all. There's no real adventure. There's no real risk. It's 100% entertainment. In 1951, there was a guy by the name of Ray Bradbury who wrote a book that thousands of us had to read in high school. It was the book entitled Fahrenheit 451. And the premise of that book, written in 1951, was looking ahead to this futuristic society in which people would become obsessed with entertainment. And in Fahrenheit 451, written in 1951, he talks about this futuristic society in which people in our homes are going to have TVs the size of our walls. That will never happen. Amazing. And in Fahrenheit 451, the firemen didn't put out fires, they went around starting fires. They started fires by burning books because everybody knows books are dangerous and books have ideas and books will challenge you to think for yourself. Hence the name Fahrenheit 451. But in, in this futuristic society that he writes about, in this society in which everybody is obsessing over entertainment, the odd thing is nobody's happy. They're just sort of existing day to day in their lives. It's like something is about to destroy them, but they do not look up from their entertainment long enough to even notice. Now fast forward from 1951, fast forward 71 years. We have televisions the size of our walls. People binge on entertainment. We carry movies and music in our pockets. There's not a second that goes by that if we so choose, we can't be entertained by something. And yet, people are bored. And I'm saying to you tonight that if you're bored, you need something that no Netflix series is going to fix, no video game is going to fix, no addictive app on your phone is going to fix. You need a real-life mission and a real-life purpose. Something that is bigger than you are, something about which you maybe can't grasp the magnitude, but you know, you know it is huge, and something about which you are not some kind of observer on a screen, you are a participant and you're not playing a game, you're in the game, and it's not a game. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about you are created on purpose and for purpose. You were created on purpose by God and for purpose by God. You do have a mission. 
You do have a purpose. You do have a reason for being. But before you can find it, there's something you have to see. And that is the God we serve and the God we worship and the God we glorify is not boring. And so here in this passage we just read, the great I am, Jehovah, reveals himself to Moses in a very unique way. He reveals himself to Moses as the God of the fire. So as I read this passage, I want to share with you this afternoon three ways, three ways that God is like fire. So I'm going to give you time to get your paper or pen or whatever you need to get. I want you to write down these three ways that God is like fire that we can draw out of this reading in Exodus chapter 3. Three ways God is like fire. Number one, like fire is both dangerous and attractive. So is the holiness of God. Let me say it again. Like fire is both dangerous and attractive, so is the holiness of God. When you see fire, you're just drawn to it. Automatically, you're drawn to it. It pulls you in. And yet you understand from experience, you understand that if I get too close to the fire, I'll get burned. And so when you think of fire, you understand immediately that the thing that pulls you in and attracts your attention can also hurt you. It's dangerous. Like God. Now think about Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Moses was busy, but Moses was bored. He had things to do. He was a sheep herder. He had a job. He had a responsibility. Sheep herding is not exactly an 8 to 5, 5 day a week kind of clock in, clock out kind of job. So Moses did not lack for something to do. Moses had stuff to do. What Moses lacked was what a lot of us lack. Mission. Mission. Look in verse 2. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire. This was no small fire. A blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So fire did to Moses what it does to us. It draws our attention. And Moses looked and it caught his eye. And he turns aside and he starts walking towards it to investigate. Verse 4, he turns aside to look and God calls to him from the midst of the bush and says, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. And that's when God said in verse 6 or verse 5, stop. As Moses begins to draw near to the burning bush, God says, stop. Do not come closer. In fact, he says, take off your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. Sometimes we struggle with that word holy because 
we think pretentious. We think holy, we think pretentious. You ever heard the phrase, oh, he thinks or she thinks they're holier than thou? We understand what that means. But God is a different kind of holy. God is another kind of holy. God is a set-apart kind of holy, which is the definition of holy, of what that really means. And so when it comes to God, rather than holier than thou, God is holy art thou. In other words, holiness is who He is. Holiness is His character. Holiness is His nature. And so the fire of God's holiness makes Him both attractive and dangerous all at the same time. So, what happens? Does that mean? Hit the microphone? That's pretty cool. I fixed it. I can't usually fix anything. I fixed it. Okay. What were we talking about? Holy fire. Okay, holy fire. God's holiness is who He is. It's His nature. It's His character. That's who He is. So the fire of God's holiness, and His holiness throughout Scripture is often talked about in the terms of fire because we can understand that. The fire of God's holiness makes Him both attractive and dangerous all at the same time. Now, let's unpack that a little bit. What happens when you throw something into the fire? When you throw something into the fire, the fire melts it, the fire consumes it, the fire burns it. And that's why as Moses began to get closer to the fire, God says, stop, don't come closer. Why? Because the combination of God's holy fire and your unholy sin will kill you. It'll kill you. And so God says, stop. You can't come any closer. Let me see if I can illustrate a little bit. How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Grand Canyon. Nobody goes to the Grand Canyon to stand out in the parking lot and say, well, I think I see it over there. When you go to the Grand Canyon, you go to the Grand Canyon and you start to walk up toward the edge. That's when parents get really nervous. Because we think as parents, you know, surely there's a fence there. There's some kind of guardrail. No, there's not. There's a sign that says, warning, do not go past this point. That kind of thing. And so parents are grabbing onto their kiddos as they walk toward the Grand Canyon. We want to get as close as we can, but not too close. I love the story of a little girl. Her parents taking this girl, across their, their daughter, across country. They bought her a journal. And they said, as we go across the United States, we're going to see all kinds of neat things, historical, natural, all kinds of things. And every night you can write in your journal what you saw and did that day. And so they gave her the journal, and they took off and went across the United States. And they saw all kinds of stuff. She never wrote one thing. She never wrote one thing until they got to the Grand Canyon. And when they got to the Grand Canyon, she looked down into the Grand Canyon and she ran back to the car, got her journal, started writing as fast as she could. Well, that evening when she went to bed, the parents were just, they couldn't stand it. So they got the journal and opened it up. And this is what she wrote. 
Today, I spitted a mile. <laughs> I love that. Today, I spitted a mile. <sighs> so maybe you ought to try that when you go to the Grand Canyon. I don't know. If you've seen the Grand Canyon, the beauty of the place, the grandeur of the place, draws you in. And yet, the closer you get to the edge, the more you realize the dangerous, how dangerous this can be. And so when it comes to the Grand Canyon, you respect it. It's the same with God. It's the same with God. Respect. So here is Moses, and he sees this blazing fire. And he's staring at the fire. He's mesmerized by the fire because it's not consuming the bush. And yet as he gets closer, God says, you cannot come any closer. You have to stop. Because what is beautiful is also deadly. Now, that's why there can be no such thing as a bored Christian. How can that be? Because our God is too attractive and too dangerous all at the same time to ever be boring to us. How can that be? If God is boring to you as a Christian, you have never stopped and taken the time to come close enough to his fire to notice who he really is. Maybe that's because we spend too much of our time obsessing with entertainment. And we miss that connection that we need to have with God. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you how that works. When you lose the sense of who God is, you lose the sense of who you are. And when you lose the sense of who you are, you have a tendency to remake God in your image. And when you start remaking God in your image, an amazing thing happens. God gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and you get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you get perturbed. Because you wake up one day, and God's not running the world the way you think it ought to be run. And so rather than being grateful, we start taking on an attitude of entitlement. And we start thinking that the world is all about me. Know anybody like that? It's not all about me. It's not all about you. It's about him and his glory. I tell you what, next time you go to the Grand Canyon and there's all kinds of people standing there along the edge, go to the Grand Canyon and, 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 and step out in front of those people between the canyon and all those people and look at all of those people who are looking at the canyon. And look at all of those people who are looking at the canyon and, 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 and yell at them and say... Everybody look at me. I want everybody to look how awesome I am. And they're going to look at you like you're an idiot. Because you'd be an idiot. Nobody goes to the Grand Canyon to see you. We go to the Grand Canyon to see the awe of the place. It's not all about you. It's not all about me. It's about God. Nobody goes to the zoo. Been to the zoo Nobody goes to the zoo. I've never heard one person ever go to the zoo and complain to the zookeeper because they can't find the dachshund exhibit. The dachshund exhibit. The little wiener dogs. Go to the zoo sometimes and ask, where's the dachshund? 
Nobody goes to the zoo to see the dachshunds. We go to the zoo to see lions and tigers and bears. Why? Because lions and tigers and bears will rip your face off. And so we want to see them. And we want to get close to them, but not too close. Because what is attractive on the one hand is dangerous on the other hand. Ladies and gentlemen, before all of us, the one we worship, is a holy God, holy attractive, holy dangerous. He is the one who made the star in our sky so bright, you cannot look at it. The sun, which is attractive, is also dangerous. And the same God who put the sun in our sky seeks to light a fire in the hearts of his people. Don't we sing about that sometimes? Light the fire. Where? In my heart today. That's what I'm learning as I'm reading Moses in the burning bush. Secondly, like the fire, like fire is intimate. Like fire is intimate, so is the love of God. Like fire is intimate, so is the love of God. You ever build a campfire? When you build a campfire, it just, it's just something about that. You just want to sit down beside it. It draws you to it. There's a sense of coziness. There's a sense of warmth. There's a sense of intimacy. When I think campfire, I think getting together with friends and s'mores and all of that. After we adopted the kids, from, we got them home and you know, they didn't speak any English. And so one day, they had been home about a week, and I said, I'm going I'm to build a fire out in the backyard in the fire ring. We're going to have s'mores. And they looked at me and said, more of what? <laughs> I said, s'mores. You know, graham crackers and marshmallows and chocolate, all that kind of deal. But they had no idea what that was. Of course, after they had them, they wanted more. And so we're sitting around the campfire. And the same fire that warms us, the same fire that is cozy, that saves us from the cold, can also kill you. It, it can harm you. Here's the problem. God is who He is. His holiness is who He is. That's His character. God wants you to come to Him. Instead of saying, stop, don't come any closer, God wants you to come closer. So how's this going to work? How am I going to get close to the holiness of God? How's that going to work? Well, God's not going to turn down the heat of His holiness so you can come near. He's not going to make the fire of His holiness less hot. So how, what, what's, how, how does this work? God doesn't change Himself because He's not going to change Himself because His holiness is His character. Instead, He's going to change you and change me. And why would He do that? Because He loves us. He worked a way so that you and I could come into the presence of His holiness without getting burned. How's He going to do that? How did He do that? It's right here. And I'll tell you, I've always missed it. But it's right in the text we read. Look at verse 7. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, 
And I've given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. Now, look, here it is, verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them. God says, I have come down. Is that not the message of the New Testament? Is that not the message of the incarnate Christ? Because, ladies and gentlemen, the ultimate God coming down would happen centuries later. John talks about that in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God coming down. And the same God who said to Moses, you tell them, I am who I am, is used by Jesus. Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sin. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The only way you and I can come into the fire of the holiness of God and not be burned is by Jesus. Because he took death for you. He took the fire for you. He died on the cross for you. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And why would God do that for us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him might not perish but have everlasting life. Because he loves us. You see, God takes sin seriously. Seriously. So seriously does he take sin that the only way you can come into the presence of his holiness is by his holiness. And so the I am offers forgiveness. He's the only one who can. He offers holy purifying. And when that happens, he in turn sets you on fire. And in an odd sort of way, you become the bush that doesn't burn up. Not because of you, but because of him. Light the fire in my heart today. Third, like fire fuels motion, so is the power of God. Like fire fuels motion, so is the, fire, the power of God. Your car, for example, will not move without power. It has to have a source of power. And so there is fuel for your vehicle, and then there is the spark of a plug in your vehicle, and when that happens, when the spark of the plug hits the fuel, there is an explosion motion. And that's what happened to Moses. Moses is out here herding sheep day after day after day. And Moses is running on empty until God filled up his tank and gave him a mission. And when God gave him a mission and God said, go, and Moses got up and went, there was an explosion motion. You know, nothing explodes without being lit. God lit him up. God lit him up. And God can light you up. 
I think of Luke 24 and verse 32, the two men walking along the road to Emmaus. Remember what they said is the stranger joined them and the stranger turns out to be Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. They didn't realize it at the time, but they did later. And they talk, start talking to one another about that and they said, were not our hearts burning, listen to the language, were not our hearts burning within us when he spoke to us on the way? Or the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Tongues as of fire rested on each one of them, the apostles. God's fire lit them up. And they went out and turned the world upside down. Light the fire in my heart today. You see, God doesn't just save you from something. God saves you to something. Because after all, we are the church of His Son. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And we are supposed to be, we are supposed to be a people on fire for Him. Are we? Are we on fire? You know, I think the last two or three years really tested us in so many ways. Tested God's people. And some people didn't do very well with the test. And so what's going to happen now? Are we just going to kind of rock along and just meet and keep house and go through the, the routine of just being here and that's it? Is, is that what religion is to us? Is that what worship is to us? Just being together a couple of times on Sunday, maybe midweek, and, and, and sitting in a pew and and say, hey, how you doing to several people, and we leave, and is, is that it? Is that what religion is all about? Or is there more to it? You know, if there's no fire, there's no mission. If there's no mission, there's no church. And if there's no church, all that's left is a group of people getting together on a Sunday and singing about a fire they wish they had. Is that who we're going to become? We need to pray, God, light us up. Light us up so that we too can go out and spread your word and share the message with other people because we want to be able to set the world on fire. We're not here to be entertained. That's not what life is about. Entertain me seems to be the mindset of our culture. We're not here to keep our eyes locked on a screen. We're not here to be amused. We have mission. We have purpose. Go into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go. The idea of go is explosion motion. But I'll tell you, if you're bored, if you're bored as a Christian, you've never come close enough to the fire of God's holiness. And God's love. And God's power. Light the fire in my heart today. We sing the song of encouragement. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, make the decision to obey Him. Repent of your sins. And come to Him in simple trusting faith and be baptized for the forgiveness of those sins 
and be a Christian, but be determined to be a good one. Don't be a lackadaisical one. Don't be an indifferent one. Be, be one in which you have a fire in your heart that cannot be extinguished and in turn encourage other people toward the same. Apathy has no place among God's people. May God light a fire in all of us. Why don't you come while we stand in What will you do with Something you must do. What shall it be? What shall it be? What shall your answer be? What will you do with Jesus? Oh, what shall your answer be? What will you do? Shall it be? What shall it be? What shall your answer be?